Last week, in our episode, Should I Stay?, we discussed reasons you may want to reconsider submitting your resignation notice. This week, we're talking about how to really know when it's time to leave and how to appropriately step away from a position. Welcome to the Burt Force Podcast. Our show helps active duty military spouses plan virtual careers. Each week, we'll be uncovering the secrets of virtual work to help get you hashtag hired. If you want income sustainable from anywhere in the world, this is the show for you. We are bringing you everything from juicy job opportunities to advice on how to glow up for a virtual interview. And now, let's meet our host. She's the change maker responsible for getting over 700 military spouses hashtag hired and making a $15 million impact in the military community. Burt Force founder, professional speaker, remote staff augmentation specialist, visionary. Here's our host, Kimber Hill. In our last episode, I told you about my friend, Liz, who got an amazing new offer. And she was dealing with a little bit of guilt and confusion about leaving her current employer. We hopped onto a call for a quick chat so I could better understand why she was feeling this way. She indicated she felt guilty because this move was going to blindside her boss and her team. I asked her, you know, why the sudden change of heart? The last time I talked to you, which had been about two, three months prior to our call, she was so happy in this role and said she had no plans on leaving. Liz explained to me that the job really had gone a different direction since then, and it was pushing her outside of her comfort zone in an area that she had no plans or intentions to grow in. So I asked, Have you talked to your manager about your goals and alignment with the position? And I was surprised to hear her say that she hadn't. You see, being open with your management team can do two things for you. Number one, it can set your manager's expectations of how to grow you in a position that works for you. And number two, which may not be obvious at first, it can help set the tone for your exit if the job is ultimately not working out. Just like in our first episode, Should I Stay?, I'm going to emphasize the importance of an open dialogue with your leadership team. You know, it can be so tempting to keep your head down, keep a smile on your face, and keep working until you're totally burnt out in a role. But if you do this, And especially if you're working remotely, how could you expect your management team to ever know how you're feeling? You know, it's kind of like a relationship. Your manager can't read your mind. All a manager can do is look at your face and look at your work performance and hope that those two things are matching up. When you're clear about what you want with your manager and your leadership team, even if those needs change then the management team can clearly see how to keep you or how to pave the way for your eventual exit. 
My personal career goals have had some major shifts since becoming a military spouse and becoming pregnant. Either way, being open will make the transition clearer and more natural for you. For Liz, my sweet friend, who is living in Asia and keeping U.S. business hours, her career move was literally a no-brainer. She would have to give up working remotely, but she would gain the privilege to work in her Oconus city, which was going to be much better for her family. So my solution for Liz was for her to stop sitting on her secret and tell her boss in the next virtual face-to-face opportunity that she had promptly. When I say meet in person and be face-to-face, of course I'm talking about a Zoom meeting or a FaceTime meeting, somewhere where you can get in front of your manager, remind them they're a real person and you're a real person, and sometimes that's just picking up the phone, but other times that's saying, hey, I need to get on a call with you, I need to do a video chat with you, I want to have a conversation. Your manager will respond and will make the time for you. So, back to Liz. Since her boss had no idea she was dissatisfied with her role or planning to leave, the best thing she could do for the boss at this point was to work collaboratively on a transition plan that would not leave the team high and dry. In my opinion, the worst thing you can do is blindside your team and say, oh, and by the way, I'm out in two weeks, which puts everyone in a frantic scramble to try to find a replacement and train the replacement. So Liz did a great job. She ultimately worked out a plan that allowed her to keep her current job and not start her final two weeks until after her background check at her new job had cleared. So in my opinion, Liz salvaged this situation and the relationship with her boss very quickly before it went sour. And we never want to leave on a sour note. Making the decision to leave, though, is not always so black and white as Liz's decision was. So right after this break, we will examine some of the reasons you definitely would want to leave your job. This is Brittany and Leslie from the Mill Spouse Coffee House podcast. You're listening to the Vert Force podcast. This podcast helps you on your career journey no matter where you are. So after you have taken that journey and you are tired and you need a laugh, come on over to Mill Spouse Coffee House where we're serving up laughs. <laughs> after you've listened to Vert Force podcast where they can help you, you can bring your resume to us and we'll give you unprofessional advice. Find the Mill Spouse Coffee House podcast on your favorite podcast playing platform. You can also visit our website at millspousecoffeehouse.com. And now back to Kimber and the Vert Force team. Need help with your resume? Vert Force has your back. Listen to our Resume Bootcamp series, which covers episodes 47 through 60 of this show. Play them in chronological order to build a winning resume tailored to the virtual job market. Resume Bootcamp also offers a subscription-based online course and private community. Learn how you can opt in to our live trainings and resume critiques at bit.ly forward slash VF 
BC. There are a few red flags and reasons that should definitely make you leave your place of employment. Sometimes they're kind of hard to spot. They may be masquerading or you may just be putting up with it. Sometimes you are the reason you should leave. So I will preface this with no job and no work environment will ever be perfect as long as you're working with other humans. So until we're all working with robots and you're the only human on the team, nothing's going to be perfect. I encourage you to be the bigger person, always demonstrate grace in the workplace, and try to work through issues as they arise. It's, I love to go back to the relationship model. No boyfriend will ever be perfect. No spouse, no wife will ever be perfect. You have to work through these issues that you may have. So the goal for you is to find an organization where your core values and your skills can contribute. Now, I want you to listen to these red flags and note that if any of these are a constant in your work environment, it may be time to leave. When I say constant, I mean it's an everyday thing that you've tried to work through and you can't work through it. I will tell you I stayed in a position with a toxic work environment for over a year that ended up having years of mental stress on me and irreparable damage to my self-confidence. It literally took me three years to get over that position. However, I stayed in another position with a toxic work environment for about nine months. And during that nine months, I was conveying to my leadership team that I thought the environment was not positive, that it was toxic, And um, over time, they worked through some internal leadership issues and began making policy changes and implementations to help correct the environment. And I ended up staying at that position much longer, and it became a much happier and healthier place. So I'll talk to you a little bit about how to know if it's going to be adjustable or not. So let's start with the first one. First red flag is you're feeling stressed. So typically, this is a result of you having too much on your plate. Number one, you've been given way too much responsibility. Or it's an indication that you're not in alignment with what you're doing. What does that mean? There's a difference between being totally overwhelmed with the projects on your plate and the alternative, which is hating what you're doing and feeling stressed out about what you're doing because you don't enjoy a moment of it, right? So you have to ask yourself, I'm stressed. Am I stressed because there's too much? If so, you've got to talk to your management team and just say, I need to pull back some of the responsibility. Or alternatively, I'm stressed. Why am I stressed? I really don't enjoy what I'm doing. And if that's the case, the latter, this may not be the position for you. And I would encourage you to still talk to your management team and let them know, hey, I'm not really feeling fulfilled in this role. I feel more stress than fulfillment. Maybe the management team can place you somewhere else that would allow you to retain your position. But if that's not an option, it may be time for you to leave. Alternatively, if your management team is unable to pull responsibility from your plate, it may also be time to leave. Number two. Feeling dissatisfied with the way you're managed. This can actually be 
a personal core value misalignment. And you could actually be causing as much stress in your environment if this is your issue. So let's dive into this. When you hire into a company, you may have preconceived notions about how the company should be managed or how it should be run, how your team should function, etc. And with a bit of seniority and dedication to the organization and an open management team, hopefully you have influence in those areas. But if you always find yourself at odds with your work processes, like, oh, I just don't like the way we do this, or I just don't like the way that situation was handled, this could be an indication that this is not the company for you, okay? So if you are always finding ways to give feedback on how things can run or improve to be better in your own eyes, this is an indication that you're not satisfied with the position or the organization. And typically, you know, some people say the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and I would totally agree with that. But I have definitely seen colleagues and team members who are submitting complaint after complaint after complaint with no solution or leadership or ownership to move forward and how to change or adjust. So if you're one of those team members who feels that you're complaining a lot to your manager or you're complaining a lot to your HR team, and even when they try to fix it, it just still does not meet your standards, this may not be the company for you. And that is okay. It just means you're not a fit for this company culture. I've seen people come and go, but if you're causing stress on yourself for this reason or you're feeling stressed because things aren't exactly how you would want them, it's likely time to move on. Now, please remember, I said it a moment ago, I'll say it again, no job is perfect, right? People are not perfect. So try to give people a little grace and to let loose of that control a little bit. Number three, a toxic work environment. This one has personally plagued me over and over again in my career. And fortunately, I'm not dealing with it now, and I have great team members now, but I have constantly struggled with working with toxic people who might demonstrate passive-aggressive or directly aggressive behavior which can result in physical intimidation. It can result in verbal put-downs, you know, disrespect, and it can play out in a lot of different ways. It can come through email. It can be a face-to-face interaction. It can be body language in a meeting where, I'll give you a great example. I hosted a meeting once, and one of the coworkers who was displaying aggressive behavior used very big, overt body language to express how dissatisfied they were with my presentation and that they had to be present for the meeting. And it's just, it's really unfortunate because it begins to take a toll on you over time, right? So what should be happening if you're in a toxic work environment? You need to be able to alert your management team that you do feel something is wrong, something is off. And your management team should effectively come to the rescue by implementing policy changes, speaking to different staff members if they have to, and adjusting the company culture so that no one feels demeaned or bullied in the workplace. If that is not happening, 
and your work culture or your work environment is getting worse or staying the same, get the heck out of there. I gave it way too much time. I gave my first position a year. I gave my second one nine months. And in reality, if I could go back and do that again, I would not stay longer than 60 to 90 days in a position like that, okay? So if it is toxic, move on. It's not worth it. It's not worth what it's going to do to you psychologically. Number four, no growth track, no growth track, no growth track. So in these two episodes, we've been talking a lot about being open with your manager, letting them know what you want and how you want to grow. Some of you may not want to grow, all right? Some of you just want to log in, do your work, get your check, move on. So this may not apply to you. But for those of you who are looking for careers and a future and growth opportunities, you need to be open with your manager about how you want to grow even if it changes. I cannot stress that enough. For example, this year it may be your goal to move into an executive position. Next year it may be your goal to not take on that much responsibility and instead find something that accommodates a more relaxed lifestyle for yourself. So what I want you to do is have an open conversation with your manager about what's right for you as often as you can. Check in with them as often as you can and as these things change. So if you're having these conversations with your manager and your manager is not accommodating you or providing you a plan to get to where you want to be, and the time period here that you want to pay attention to is about a six-month window, So if you talk to them at the beginning of that six months and at the end of that six months, things have not changed even after you've personally and clearly articulated what you wanted and what direction you wanted to grow in, then it's time to leave because that's an indication that your manager is not listening to you and they're not trying to accommodate you. And we want managers who care about us, right? So regardless of which of these four red flags you're experiencing, there is an appropriate way to leave. When you do make the decision to leave, there may be a pressured feeling to get out within two weeks. After all, two weeks is certainly the accepted standard for most organizations, but many of you don't know, and I'm here to tell you that transitions are not confined to a two-week window. Some of the most successful transitions I've seen are three to four weeks, I've seen them happen in as little as one hour, and I've seen them take up to six weeks. Your goal as the exiting employee is to ensure everything you've worked on is traceable, processed, and ready for the next team member. In some cases, you may actually be asked to help find, interview, and train your replacement Occasionally, you may even be thrown a going-away Zoom party. These are all good signs that you're leaving the company in a positive way and that ensure the company would leave you a good reference if contacted about your work ethic and character. Now, if you're leaving for a new position, generally those new offer letters come with a desired start date. So... Before you accept all the terms of your new offer letter, ensure that there are at least two weeks between the day you plan to submit your notice and the day you start your new job. My general rule of thumb is one month. 
I like to have one to three weeks for my workplace transition and one week off to rest and regroup before I join the new team. So don't feel pressured by a two-week timeline. Especially, don't feel pressured by that phrase, how soon can you start? And I'll tell you this, if a company is going to hire you, if they have picked you, they're going to hire you just the same in two weeks as they would in four. When you do leave, it's best to have the conversation about leaving over video chat or in person with your direct manager before handing in your notice. And please remember to listen to last week's episode before handing in your notice because you may not want to do that, especially if you're trying to receive a counter offer. When you explain you're leaving, remember, you don't have to provide any reason for your departure. If you're pressed or asked, it can be second nature to default to some standard excuses But please, for the love of the military, do not use these three excuses. Some of you are not going to like me for this, but I don't care. It has to be said. Stop using, I'm PCSing, I'm pregnant, or the military life is just too much to hold down a job right now. Well, I'll say it again. Stop saying, I'm PCSing, I'm pregnant, or the military life is just too much to hold down a job right now. While on the surface, these may sound like good excuses to you, as a military spouse, when you use these excuses, you are sabotaging the career chances of other military spouses by creating a stereotype. You are effectively contributing to the unemployment epidemic in our community. And while in the moment... These very well may be the reasons you want to leave. I encourage you to dig deeper and be truthful about the real reason, even if it's hard to say it out loud. And if you can't say it out loud, be silent. It is better to say nothing than to say either one of those three excuses. The truth of the matter is, you can maintain a job through a PCS and a pregnancy and military life. People do it all the time. And I'm not saying that is the standard that you're expected to live up to, but I am saying that those are not valid excuses. They're masking the truth. So what is the truth? What are your real reasons? The truth is that for whatever reason, which is completely personal and up to you, This job is no longer serving you. So how do we say that without embracing the stereotype of PCSing, pregnancy, and military life? I'm going to give you, let me see, how many do I have here? One, two, three, four. I'm going to give you more than five ways to communicate that this job is not going to continue to serve you without having you default to those stereotypes. So let's say you're leaving for a career change. This job just does not pay enough. You're not interested in it. You're tempted to tell them that you're moving, but the truth is you just want a better opportunity for yourself. So instead of saying, I'm PCSing because you're afraid to hurt someone's feelings, say it like this. I've really enjoyed my time here 
It's encouraged me to explore other avenues I'm interested in. I've decided to make a career pivot. With that, I would like to work on a transition plan that would allow me to leave this position within the next month. You just told them you're changing careers, and you didn't use any of the three excuses. Here's another example of someone who would want to leave for another opportunity. I'm choosing to pursue another opportunity. I would not have found this opportunity if it hadn't been for my time here. I'd like to submit my notice and work with you on a transition plan. Okay, so let's say you're leaving because you want to be a stay-at-home parent. Maybe you are pregnant, but what we want to do here is not say, because I'm pregnant, I'm quitting, right? We want to pull away from that. So let's say you're leaving because of children. After an important discussion with my spouse, I'm choosing to be a stay-at-home parent. While my kids are young, it's important to me that I'm present at home. I would like to work with you on a transition plan that will allow me to end my role here within a month. All right, so that's telling them you're making a different life decision. You're headed in a different direction with your current career. All right, so if you can't say any of these things with complete honesty and conviction, remember that you can always stay silent. So I like to call this, it's not anyone's business why I'm leaving. I'm just leaving. (laughs) So here's your phrase. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Unfortunately, my time here has come to an end. I would like to work with you on a transition plan that would allow me to end my role here within two weeks. So I'm expecting you to say all of these phrases in person to your manager or over a Zoom chat. And your manager may be interested to know why you're leaving or be interested in understanding if they could entice you to stay with a counteroffer. So if this is the case, but you know in your heart that the answer is still no, here are some phrases that will shut down the conversation. For my future career goals and present lifestyle needs, this position is no longer the best fit. I've really enjoyed it, so much of it, but it's time for me to move on. Another option, if they hit you with a counteroffer, you can say, In anticipation of this conversation, I considered the solutions you might mention, and I even considered the one you just mentioned. Nevertheless, I still believe resigning is the best decision for me at this point in time. So, what have we done here? We've eliminated default excuses, and we've replaced them with kind ways to tell the truth. This is hard. It is hard to tell someone why you're leaving a position, especially if you're dissatisfied and especially if you never communicated your dissatisfaction at any point. It's almost like telling your friend their outfit is ugly, right? When they've been wearing it every Friday for the past six weeks and you originally told them you loved it. It's kind of like going back on that. But you've got to develop the skills and the ability to do it. What would correct that if you maintain an open communication with your management team? Getting into this uncomfortable space is not likely to happen. But if it has happened and you're here in this uncomfortable, nebulous space of how do I leave? 
And, uh, oh, I know, I'll just say it's the military or I'll just say I'm PCSing. So that way I don't have to tell them what's really bothering me. Don't do that. Instead, lean on these references. Lean on these phrases. Write them down and use them. And remember, after you've had this in-person meeting, your next step is to send a written letter of resignation to your manager and HR department. You can do this via email. These are typically very high-level, short, and to the point. You should date the letter and provide your last date of employment in the letter. All right, VertForce, I hope you've enjoyed this two-part series, Should I Stay or Should I Go? If you're thinking about a transition, these skills and tips will help you make the best decision for yourself. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe and share with your friends. All right, Vert Force, that is it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate our podcast, and leave us a review. We really love hearing from you. If you need to find the show notes, which include all of the resources we discussed in this episode, you can find those at vertforce.us. Guys, I'm serious when I say we want to hear from you. If you have an idea for an episode or a question, email us at support at vertforce.us. As a reminder, all content associated with the Vertforce podcast is the intellectual property of Vertforce LLC. All right, catch you next week.